Hey, welcome to the CMO Whisper Show. I'm your host, Steve Olensky. Part marketing practitioner, part ad agency veteran, part journalist. I was a writer for Forbes for 10 years. I've had so many insightful conversations over the years with business leaders, to athletes, to celebrities, to, of course, CMOs. The only difference now is instead of sharing those insights through written form, I'm doing it this way. My guest this week is Pierre Bouvard, Chief Insights Officer for Cumulus Media and Westwood One. He leads their audio active group of media and creative advisory service and works with both national brands and agencies to craft targeting and measurement solutions. Prior to his current role, Pierre was SVP at TiVo Research and Analytics, where he led cross-media and measurement engagements for Procter Gamble and Comcast. Here's my conversation with Pierre Bouvard. Pierre, even though you know we just met, I don't know, within six months, three months, it feels like I've known you forever. So welcome to my show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And it's it's nice to have audio on the agenda. Oh, yeah. So great place to start in terms of what I want to bring up first. And this is something I know you're aware of and I'm aware of and a lot of people are aware of. And that is P&G, which, you know, if P&G does anything, everybody sits up, right? For those who don't know, last year, P&G increased its radio budget by 43%. That's massive, right? Any, any budget up 43%. But for P&G to invest in a platform and a medium, <laughs> which you and I both know, a lot of people still look at as old school, that's a big deal, right? It is a huge deal, and it had been occurring quietly since 2017, and it wasn't until a big ad age piece this year in March, a giant piece that Jack Neff did. It kind of was a head snapper. And, you know, they are very clear in, they say, look, we, our goal is to reach 100% of America because everyone needs to brush their teeth and wipe up stains and, you know, wash their hair. And so we need everybody. They famously realized, you know, about 10 years ago that if you target too narrowly, your sales go down. So they really reach became the key objective. And they were sitting in a meeting in 2016, concerned about the alarming, even at that time, cliff drop in TV deliveries, concerned about digital fraud and middlemen taking too much of their money. And they were, where are we going to get the reach? And this guy in their consumer market knowledge data and analytics group raised his hand, this guy, John Fix, and said, well, what about radio? I'm, I'm sure we're in radio. And there was like dead silence. And he was charged with, well, we're not in radio and maybe we should be like, John, you go find out. And John did research and came back and said, guess what? It's America's number one mass reach media, and it over-indexes with 1864s, over-indexes with American workers and households with children, and it would get us incremental reach. And lo and behold, you know, if you take the typical brand that P&G is running on radio the radio is driving about a 52% lift in incremental reach for their TV campaign. So that's stunning. And so all of this became known to the world in March, you know, when that story in, in ad age come, came out. And now 
I think they have between 30 and 40 brands on radio. And these are not just the famous brands that you've heard of like Ty. These are small brands. They launched a bug spray called Zevo with network radio. And the deliveries are incredible. I mean, you can get a 70 monthly reach on radio. And, and that has been, I think, for a lot of marketers to see P&G, who is so known for being data-driven and business outcome-focused, for them yeah. to make such a huge commitment to, to AM, FM radio. Exactly. And it's it's a good kind of bridge to a new book that, as we're recording this, it has not been released yet, but it will be by the time this episode airs. And it's called Listen Up, Emotions Defining Role in Radio Advertising Effectiveness. And it's from System One in partnership with Radio Center. And it's all about how radio advertising works and how to create audio advertising that stirs the passions and business profits. And it's based on findings from 10 years of effectiveness and emotional data from over 50,000 listeners and non-listeners. It's incredible. We, we talked about this off air, the, the depth of this. And what I want to get your thoughts on, on Pierre, is there's six key findings. And I want to read the finding, and I just kind of want to have your guttural reaction, right? That kind of word mm -hmm. association, and just go with it. Okay, so let me just jump right in. The first finding. Radio ads that make listeners feel more positive dramatically change consumer behavior and deliver longer-lasting brand effects. Yeah, the, bi the big story there to me is creating emotion versus rattling off features and benefits. And I think this research will get a lot of creative folks and marketers and clients thinking, okay, Let's take a look at these scripts. Are we creating emotion and feeling and happiness? And that leads to memories? Or are we just rattling through a bunch of rational copy? So that that is, that's a head snapper of a finding. Yep. The next finding, feel-good radio ads make advertising campaigns more famous. People in radio, like there's a very famous campaign, The Real Men of Genius, Yep. you know, which was a beer ad going back 10 or 15 years. And it was hilarious. And they weren't talking about how the beer was made or the benefit, you know, they were, it was pure entertainment and it made people happy. And it was a famous campaign. And, and I think what this is saying is like, okay, are you creating thing copy that makes people laugh? Are you creating copy that people talk about and say, did you hear the one, you know? And mm -hmm. I think it's bringing us back to a great line from Paul Feldwick, who said, you know, we need to be focused both on salesmanship and showmanship. Interesting. You know, looking at the results, it's, you know, it's, it's the feel good. It's the positive emotions, Right. And, and another finding from the study is these kinds of ads, people are more likely to share them and talk about them. Yeah, and the fact that, you know, radio can cause long-lasting effects through an emotional response just as TV advertising. And I think that is crucial because I think historically radio has been miscast as a sales event medium. Like if you want people in store, you got to get on radio. 
Mm-hmm. And so, so much of our copy is short-term sales activation. Now, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. But as Les Bennett and Peter Field remind us, that long-term sales and profit come from brand building, come from being known before you're needed, come from creating a memory, like positive memories. And I think people typically think, oh, if I want to do brand building and positive memories, that's TV. If I want short-term sales effect, that's radio. Mm -hmm. And what this study is saying is, guess what? If you're doing emotion emotional ads in the world of system one, like two to four star ads, and you're making people feel good, guess what? Radio can have as long lasting brand impact, just like TV. And it's fascinating to me, Pierre. It's just this, I don't know, whenever I bring up radio to, you know, CMOs and agencies, not all the time, but, and I know you live this, you just get that kind of like, really radio <laughs> like it's just fascinating to me from a human nature perspective and then when you tell them they just rattle off just any kind of cpms any kind of reach and they, there seems to be this aha my god i didn't know radio could do that yeah and and you know it's interesting our decision makers in our industry tend to be congregated in our bigger cities in the New Yorks and the Chicago's and Colin Kinsella, who was the former CMO of Voss Media, one time famously said the biggest problem that radio has is the 26-year-old media planner who lives in New York, doesn't own a car, doesn't think anybody else in America has a car, and doesn't think anybody in America listens to radio. And so I do think that some of that has seeped into our business. We are not the market. We are not representative as media strategists, media agencies. If you go to anywhere in America, people are in their cars outside of New York and Chicago, and they're listening to the radio. I mean, Nielsen continually yeah. reports we're the number one mass reach media. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay, next finding. Radio is as likely to cause long-lasting effects through an emotional response as TV advertising. And you just touched on that. So let's expand on that. Yeah, I think there is this sense that in order to tell a story, in order to create emotion, you need sight, sound, and motion. And you can do that with TV. And radio is about sales activation. In the famous book, The Long and the Short of It by Les Bennett and Peter Field, they actually said the two primary dimensions that make a medium a good brand building medium are high reach and high time spent. And when you look at the chart in the book, it shows that radio is right up there, but we're miscast just for sales activation. So this says, if you create an ad, that's a three or four star system one ad that makes people happy and feel good, that emotional response is as good as TV. And that is what that says is less, hey, a tier one auto brand, a movie, you know, a shampoo, any type of product where you want to make people feel good to create long-term sales and profit, radio ads can do that just as well as TV. That That's an amazing finding. Yeah, it really is. It really is. The next finding talks about what we call system one fluency, right? How well-branded 
a given spot is. And what the research has shown is the more branded it is, the more trust. To me, that's that's a common sense one, but it's probably gets lost in some shuffles for some brands, right? In terms of branding a radio spot. This is one of my big hot buttons. Uh, one of the simple exercises we do for people is called the brand early and often test. We'll, we'll listen to the ad. We'll note down how early into the ad did the brand appear, the name of the company or the product, and how frequently did the brand appear through the ad? And was there a sonic identity, meaning an audio logo that in a melodic way uh, said the name of the brand. A lot of brands fail this test. Your brand needs to be within the first two or three seconds, brand early and often. Your brand needs to be at least five or six times through that 30-second ad. And a lot of marketers fail on this test. And the thing about audio is you don't have to fly the crew back to Cancun to reshoot. Like You can fix your ad. Just take the word we out and yeah. put your brand back in. This is the one that I spend the most amount of time with our clients is brand early and often. And you can make people feel good and you can do all these wonderful things, but if they can't tie it back to you, which is your the system one fluency score, then you haven't made the sale. It takes me back, <laughs> I don't know, about 15, 20 years ago when I was a copywriter at different agencies and I wrote you know a ton of scripts, including radio, and I would have this same conversation with, you know, marketing directors from the client side and same thing. You, you got to get the brand name mentioned more. And it was, nope, we need more sales copy. And it's just, it's incredible. And this is 15, 20 years later and it's still happening. Well, what we have now is the benefit of brand effect studies and attribution, and so we have done long-term attribution studies that are measuring, you know, how well the ads are doing at driving folks to a website. And one year we had well-branded ads and we had great brand lift studies. We had great attribution studies. The next year, new creative agency came in. Ads were clever, but they were poorly branded. Only two brand mentions, you know, they were not branding early. They were not branding often. And the brand studies fell off and the attribution died. And then, you know, we fixed it in the next year and everything came back. So I think the difference from your days is now we have hard evidence from brand lift and attribution that says, listen, if you don't say your name enough, they're not coming to the website and they're not going to remember you in an ad effectiveness study. Mm. You just reminded me of one other thing on this topic. And it, it is a major pet peeve of mine. When I hear a radio spot that was clearly all they did, they being the brand, was take the audio from a TV spot and run it on radio. As if to say, we're not paying for a separate radio spot. Yeah, and it's, it's a delicate balance because there is a lot of evidence that says if you use, you, if you have a unified creative strategy, across social, video, TV, and radio, you will get much stronger brand equity effect. So you want to have common like creative assets and distinctive assets across media. So that's, that's the good thing. But one has to remember 
Like you literally just can't take the audio track. You know, one of the things where this is, I think, marketing malpractice is you'll see an action movie ad with a lot of explosions and noise. And then you have that radio ad that's basically a lift and you can't understand it. There's explosions. You might have heard the name and it's literally too noisy. And so one of the simple questions in your creative testing is, is the ad audible? Literally, could people understand who is the client? What is this for? Because you're right. If you just lift the TV ad, sometimes it can be literally a disaster. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Next finding. Optimized radio advertisements are effective at attracting attention and forming strong memories, thereby increasing short-term effects. So the Association of National Advertisers, the ANA, has this thing called the Attention Pathway. And it's three things. It's get noticed, hold attention, and impact memory. Now, each of those, the responsibility for get noticed, hold attention, impact memory, there's different mixtures of creative and media that come into play there. But getting noticed is super important. And there's a lot of neuro studies that say, you know, the the very beginning of an ad, you have a great opportunity because people naturally are kind of unconsciously paying attention. And, you know, one of the best users of the getting noticed and and grabbing people right away is Geico. Every single radio ad begins with the same words, Geico presents. Mm. So instantaneously, it's like, oh, it's Geico. And there's a humorous situation they're about to set up. But they know that like at the first second of the ad, people kind of are unconsciously like leaning forward. And you know, hold attention is you have to keep the drama going. I know when you guys test, you're looking second by second to see, are we holding people through? And then impacting memory is critical because as system one has taught me, if you impact long-term memory, that also creates short-term sales effect. So if you can get more stars, which is more emotion, that actually helps in the short-term too. And, And that's you know, people think like, oh, branding is kind of a mushy long-term thing, but I need revenue now. It's like, no, no, no. You get a lot of stars on your system one creative test, you will get short-term sales effect. Exactly. Exactly. And it's a perfect segue into the last finding, which does not surprise me in the least, but it probably surprises some. And that is that audio ads that that feature more right brain features, if you will, they have a greater long-term effectiveness. Which makes perfect sense because the right side brain is that where the creative and the emotion and the feelings are. And so much of audio ads, and I would even say even podcast ads. I think podcast ads are the most left brain ads. Here's a product. This is the feature. This is the benefit. I mean, they're literally almost written like out of the product manual. There is nothing right brained about it. And what's shocking about this is that podcasts are the most emotional media known to 
to, to man or woman because you have someone talking, they're sharing their emotions very genuinely, very authentically. So it provides such an opportunity for emotion. Yet podcast ads are as dry and rational as you can be. And in fact, we one time recently did a study, our podcast download study, where we actually asked podcast listeners, you know, what would you prefer, ads that are features and benefits and or ads that are more entertaining or make you feel something? And they decisively said, we want right brain ads, mm-hmm. you know, that are funny, entertaining, make me happy, make me feel something, as opposed to these like product manual ads. Yeah, but you can still get a brand message across that way. Yes, yes. So, I mean, the, the famous Maya Angelou line, which is, you know, people will forget what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. It's one of my most favorite quotes yes. of all time. It, and it's so true. And if, if brands only took Maya's advice. <laughs> okay, I want to segue into yet another research because I love all this research and I know you love it because it's just validating audio and radio, right? So this one was from Dentsu and I believe they partnered with Lumen and I know you wrote about it in August on on the Westwood One blog and the headline just, (laughs) here's the headline. I'm going to read it verbatim from your blog post. Audio ads outperform video for attention and brand recall. I could just see the mouth dropping or the, you know, everybody going, the, the skeptics and cynics going, no way, right? Here's, there's three big key findings that I really want to get your thoughts on. I know you touched on them in your, in your blog post, but I really want to delve deeper. And the first one is that audio has a 56% greater attentiveness score than what Dentsu would see in their normal store, uh, scores. And 128, 128% stronger than TV. That's incredible. And this study basically put a, a stake through the heart of the sight, sound, and motion myth. The car advertiser that says, I got to show my car, or the movie advertiser that says, I'm a visual product, I need visual media. I mean, what advertisers are paying for in TV is sight, sound, and motion, eyes on glass. And what T-Vision and Nielsen has proven is that only 40% of the time is your TV ad sight, sound, and motion. 40% of the time, people are in the room, they're hearing your ad, like a radio ad, but their eyes are not on the screen. They're looking at their phone. And 20% of the time, your TV ads are playing to an empty room. In audio... It's ears on. That's what you're paying for. Is the audio being played at an audible level? And what the Lumen study found is that decisively podcasts, radio, and audio streaming are more audible than visual media are sight, sound, and motion. And therefore, your ad on radio will be you'll get more of what you're paying for, which is ears on, than your TV ad where you're paying for eyes on. That's a great segue, uh, Pierre, into the next finding, which that audio generates nearly a 10% higher brand recall versus the norm and a 14% greater than online video and display average. That's incredible. 
Well, these are the business outcomes that advertising is being designed to create, you know, brand recall, brand choice. So the point is, if you have a visual product, your radio ad can actually generate stronger brand recall than a visual medium. And, you know, some of this is because, for instance, let's take display advertising. How much of your display advertising is actually seen? And what Lumen has found out is it's very small. You don't get a lot of eyes on your display. So the point here is the business outcome, the actual creative effectiveness, marketing effectiveness of audio is superior to that of visual media. Okay, we're recording this uh, on September 22nd, and I want to bring up this, as you called it, I think you might have used the word saga, saga, the charter <laughs> Disney saga. And you were saying how this could, you know, could make, how radio could make your TV better. So I want to start with the basics for those not familiar with it. What exactly happened in charter and Disney? Let me start there. Sure. So Disney, big content provider, you know, we're used to these kind of disagreements between distributors who, you know, provide the video to the consumer and the content providers and how much they should be getting paid and should they be offering the streaming services. And luckily it all, it all got resolved, but it, it was a real wake up call that the U.S. pay TV ecosystem is collapsing. You know, it, in 2010 or 11, 90% of American homes had pay TV. And as we speak, less than half of American homes have pay TV. And so, so much of TV inventory is on cable networks. Like three quarters of the GRPs that are available are on network cable. And what it just means is that if you're a marketer and you're trying to build a brand and drive sales effect, that pay TV ecosystem that was really underpinning most of your linear TV buy is collapsing. Wall Street analyst Moffat Nathanson reported in second quarter of this year, the pay TV ecosystem shrank by 11%. So the point is, where are you going to get that? Where, how are you going to recover that reach? Mm-hmm. And if you sit in front of a Nielsen optimizer, NMI, Comspoint, and you start looking around for reach, all roads lead to audio. All roads lead to radio, streaming, and podcast. And a very simple 20% reallocation of your linear TV investments to radio. By the way, this is what Pfizer's doing. This is what P&G is doing. You can recover all of that lost reach from the collapsing pay TV ecosystem and, and actually grow your reach significantly for the same budget. And as what we're, you know, what we're learning now from system one is, yes, you can get all that reach back, but if you tell an emotional story and make people happy, you can achieve just as much brand effect as that TV ad. Mm-hmm. Okay. One last question in this segment, if you will, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this for me and all of my listeners, what are some audio creative best practices? Well, we've touched on two big ones already. 
One is more right brain, more emotion, make people feel something, less rational. We're here to entertain, not just sell you stuff. Brand early and often. Another one is the jingle. And a lot of creative folks look down their noses at jingles. But they, in the words of marketing professor Mark Ritson, they are the distinctive brand asset that smashes all others. That if you have a jingle that says your name in a melodic manner, it is like doubling or tripling the impact of your investment. Look at Liberty Mutual. They say their name, you know, four times with that jingle. And it is sneered upon by creatives but it is incredibly effective. O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, not only does it say their name, but they are saying the category they're in, you know, O'Reilly Auto Parts. So, you know, they're, they're teaching you not only their name, but like what we do for a living. So sonic identity has to be melodic and has to say your name. The other one which Radio Center has done a lot of work around is word count. They recently published a study courtesy of Jason Brownlee in the UK where they took all of their brand studies and then they studied all the scripts. And what they found was the fewer the words, the greater the brand lift. (laughs) So the best practice there is get your editing pen out and cut words because you'll get actually more brand effect with fewer words cut cut words but not your name yeah absolutely <laughs> that's right <laughs> no it's it's a great again i'm putting my copywriter hat on and i can see creatives just rolling their noses up at at jingles that they feel are not creative like the o'reilly and liberty and not understanding that it doesn't matter if it's quote creative, however you define it, it's what what matters in what happens at the cash register. Yes, we're we're in the memory business. Like we are in the memory business. We need to create long term memories. And the, you know, some somewhere long ago, somebody was trying to teach kids the alphabet, and they said, "Okay, how do we do that? Let's take something very melodic that they would know." And they was like, "Oh." Twinkle, twinkle, little star. That's a melody all children know. Let's take that melody and put the alphabet into that. And that's where you get the ABCs. But that melody is the twinkle, twinkle, little star. So we're, we're here to create memories. And mm-hmm. songs and jingles are really good at creating long-term brand effect. Exactly, exactly. Okay, let me get into your career for a second. If I asked you to pick one person, if there's only one, who's had the biggest impact on your career, who is it and why? So I worked for a market researcher named John Coleman, who had his own company called Coleman Insights, Coleman Research. And this was and still is the leading programming research company in radio, meaning they do music testing, focus groups, brand studies. I learned about marketing. (laughs) from John Mm. about how to build an awareness. And he had a great line, which was inside outside marketing. Inside marketing is what people in the building 
either at the brand or at the radio station are talking about. And we obsess over the minutia of our brand. We think everyone's paying attention. We think everyone cares about our brand. The outside marketing perspective is the focus group where people barely know who you are and can only maybe think one or two things about your brand. And he really taught me that like you really have to put yourself in the shoes of the consumer who is not thinking about your brand, is not in the market for your brand, and how does our communication, what's our objectives for that? So I learned so much about marketing from him. And I'll squeeze in one more. Steve Morris, who was the legendary CEO of Arbitron Radio, he gave me a masterclass in customer focus. And, you know, his one of his famous lines was, don't worry about the competition. Take care of the customer and the customer will take care of the competition. And he, everything he did was singularly focused on the customer. Mm. Talk about ahead of his time, right? Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> everybody that, claims to be customer obsessed now. Yes. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, some of the most hated companies in America are audience measurement companies because people's bonuses are based upon the rating for their show. And, and there's a, and he made a number of fast decisions for things that customers have been asking for for decades. And he made them like within weeks on the job. And so that his customer focus was an incredible, you know, lesson for me. All right. I'm going to wrap this up with an audio question. It's very fitting for you. But as you can see behind me, there's a wall of album covers. I am a big, big music fan, very eclectic from the OJs. I don't know who else you can see, The Temptations and Bruce and Patty. Oh, and, uh, you, what you can't see is the Rolling Stones and the Village People. Yes, I'm a Village People fan. I'm not ashamed to <laughs> admit it. My all-time favorite song, Pierre, is a song called Lean On Me by Bill Withers. Mm. It has always, always resonated with me. Yes, I'm going to put you on the spot and say, is there a song? Is there a lyric? Is there an album? Is there a concert? Is something audio, music, that goes, that's the line, that's the song, that's the artist. What comes to mind? Luck Be My Lady Tonight by Frank Sinatra. There are so many songs of his, but that song just makes you feel like we're having fun you know, you're on this journey with me. You're on this adventure. You think of the Rat Pack. You think of Las Vegas. You know, it's very evocative. And uh, a lot of his songs and the way he sings really, you know, Look, create amazing happiness. Well, listen, this has been a blast. It has flown by. I really, really enjoyed this. I cannot thank you enough for coming on. My pleasure. And uh, this was a lot of fun. And I look forward to uh, digging into your, uh, to your new book. Listen up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that wraps up another episode of the CMO Whisperer Show. I hope you shared this episode with your friends. And if you have not already, please subscribe to be kept up to date on all the latest episodes. And if you're so inclined, leave me a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you. 